Thank you for tuning in for the latest episode of Across the Bifrost. Today, we're going to be taking a look at the Season 4 TTS Leagues. I want to encourage everyone to check out acrossthebifrost.com, which is a great collection of a whole bunch of different podcasts and content creators. It's really been busy lately. I'm super excited about all the content. I'm super excited to see all the hot takes about Season 4. Uh, so in addition to listening to this podcast, please check out acrossthebifrost.com. I do also want to take a moment and shout out the two sponsors for acrossthebifrost.com, not only supporting Pat and I, but all of the content creators on acrossthebifrost.com. That is discountgamesinc.com in the US and blackgategames.co.uk for the UK. Both of these online retailers are fantastic during lockdown, shipping stuff directly to your house if you can't make it to your local game store, offering MCP at a heavy discount. So please check out Discount Games Inc. and Blackgate Games, respectively. All right, that's enough of this. Let's get to the intro music and our episode about the Season 4 Tabletop Simulator League. Somewhere across the Bifrost Way up high Welcome back to the latest episode of Across the Bifrost on brand new recording software. Thank you for dealing with us as we had less than optimal audio the last couple of weeks of Patreons. Sorry again about all the delays getting you episodes, but it's that time again. It's season four, and I can't think of a better person to dive into the data for the season four of the TTS League than my co-host, Pat Dunford. Pat, how are you holding up? I am holding up real good. Thanks, TT. I am hyped for season four of the TTS League. So hyped that I've actually already had my first game in round one. We played it on the first day of the league, um, and it went off to a flying start. So I'm really excited to see how things develop. One of the things that I enjoy most about seasons is... People publish their games. They talk a lot about strategy and tactics. They give battle reports. Um, so I'm excited to see what people have to say following this first week. Well, was it off to a flying start for you or for your opponent? How did the game end up going? Um, the game was uh, my A-Force battling heroically against the... Hmm. Huh. It was, <laughs> it was the Guardians of the Galaxy, nominally. I have in my head Thanos, because it was Guardians of the Galaxy that also had Time Gem and Reality Gem. And I was hyped to play against the Nine Threat Thanos, but then only the Guardians showed up and Thanos stayed at home on his throne. And the Guardians alone were not enough to get the job done against She-Hulk. Well, uh, that's something that's definitely interesting, and we'll kind of dive into that. I think at a high level, let's start with, this is definitely the largest league that we've seen to date. Uh, was there 170 entrants? 100, I don't, there was some high I think, number. Do you remember off the top the of your number head? is 168, I remember, because we were looking through the data yesterday um, in preparation for the show. And uh, that is a new record. I think we had 130-something, 132, I want to say. Uh, in the last league, and every single league has increased um, the number of players by a good margin, and increasing by another 30 or so um, is really, really encouraging. Yeah, it's pretty incredible to see it grow, and I'm, I'm really curious, maybe we can talk about this later, how TTS looks after kind of COVID and lockdown shut down, or stop, shut down, shut down, I guess that kind of makes sense, might edit that out. 
But let's start with affiliations. We obviously have more affiliations than we've ever had before. Uh, if you're not a Patreon, Pat ended up playing A-Force Wakanda, which is a really interesting combination. Uh, Patreons hopefully enjoyed that small after the credit scene. But the top of the pile, we predicted this one, Pat, is, of course, Asgard. Yeah. Um, so we did predict it, and I think it comes from a couple of factors. Um, but the main one is Angela and Enchantress. Angela and Enchantress are the newest hotness, right? They came out this month, but they're a box set that has been available in some parts of the world now for a long time. So they're models that people have had a lot of chance to play with. Um, and we know that they are very, very powerful. And this is the first time that we have been able to take them at a competitive event. I think the other thing to keep in mind is there's still a lot of hired muscle buzz. And a lot of people really enjoy the hired muscle play with the Asgardian superpower, right? Yes. And these two models, Angela and Enchantress, are um, two of the ones that make hired muscle a thing, right? Angela is a model that can enable hired muscle plays incredibly effectively in any affiliation. And Enchantress is one of the best answers to your opponents doing those tricks. So they're very relevant in that particular meta as well. Yeah, absolutely. And they are actually the highest affiliation in every one of the brackets. And I guess we flipped over it. We have a new bracket, Oceagna. Uh, I don't know why I put a G in there. Oceagna? Yeah, I don't, in, my head, in my head, there's a G. Um, we're going to keep rolling with that. I feel like in like second grade, I said Oceagna. And I don't know if you know this, Pat. Occasionally I mispronounce things, which is, mm. uh, yeah, interesting. And, and we'll just roll with that. So, <laughs> the second highest general affiliation is Brotherhood of Mutants. Uh, we we kind of saw this one coming as well. Um, I thought defenders might edge him out, but there's so much love for Magneto. Now, Brotherhood wasn't the highest in all the regions, but when you uh, sum the regions together, it was the second highest affiliation. Yeah, doesn't surprise me either. I think uh, I would have expected Brotherhood or Asgard to be number one. So them coming first and second is not a huge revelation. I think you're right. It's mostly about Magneto, but I think you've got to give an honorable mention to Mystique, um, a really popular, powerful character um, who helps kind of cement Brotherhood as having multiple good options. And also to Toad, who is becoming a very useful, uh, cheap model. Yeah, and I think it was... It, another interesting stat we'll jump to real quick is I think the number of dual affiliation rosters was almost the same as single affiliation rosters. I think they're off by two percentage points. So I, I do think Mystique's a great shout-out because she does allow you to splash that second affiliation into Brotherhood just a little bit easier, right? Because there's so many great homes for that character. Yeah, she's one of those unaffiliated three threats that you're happy to take in any team. All right, and then Defenders rounds out our top three, just narrowly edging out Criminal Syndicate. Uh, Defenders, another one that we really like for portals. Uh, it's incredibly strong, and it's interesting to see how unpopular it is in the East meta. Yeah, it's, um, it's interesting. It's also interesting to see that quite a lot of Defenders lists don't play with portals. I think there's 27 Defenders teams and 20 instances of um, Pentagrams of Ferala. So... It's a popular tactics card, but these numbers suggest that it's not entirely defining defenders. Um, and I think they're helped by just having a very large number of affiliated characters that gives you a lot of versatility in how you build your teams. 
Yeah, and then we can just kind of blip through the rest of these, I think, a little bit faster. Criminal Syndicate comes in at fourth overall. Wakanda comes in at fifth. I do think it's interesting to point out that Wakanda is the second highest taken affiliation down in uh, Oceania. Ocean- how, do you, how do you actually say that word? Oceania. Oceania. Uh, okay, there we go. Sorry. Sorry, everyone down there. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> yeah, my fault. <laughs> I mispronounce a lot of things. It's nothing against you. Uh, uh, Web Warriors was a shocker for me because I really thought A-Force would actually kind of crack into that top tier there. And then A-Force comes in right behind Web Warriors. So what do we think of that top half? Yeah, so um, I think all of those affiliations are really good. So it doesn't surprise me that they're all popular. And we're just at this point now where there's so many affiliations, right? There's 13. um, And some have multiple leaders. And um, it just means that even if something is really good, you just can't necessarily have too big a piece of the pie because there's so much competition. Yeah, again, I was really surprised at A-Force being as small a percentage as they are. I thought that they would be right up there with, uh, you know, the defenders. And I guess, to be fair, they're not that far off, right? We have Asgard at 23, Brotherhood's at 18, Defenders at 16, Criminal Syndicate at 15, and then A-Force is 13. So even yeah. though they're fall quite a bit from those couple points in general we're talking like a handful of lists that are changing them from that ranking to possibly second right yeah and a force are tied with x-men right they have the same number of affiliated teams i th- they have the same percentage i think a force had a single roster more i don't i don't remember i don't have all the raw data in front of me oh okay um yeah so i agree with you that a force is the most surprising in the past we have expected uh new hotness, right? The new releases to be overrepresented. That seems to be the case with um, Angela and Enchantress, but not so much with She-Hulk. Maybe it's just because Angela and Enchantress have multiple affiliations they can go in, right? Enchantress has two, Angela has three. And it might also be that She-Hulk is just too new and the amount of options you have with A-Force are quite high and maybe some players just feel a bit overwhelmed and don't want to get stuck into something without playing some games with it um, before going into a league. Yeah, I think that's an interesting concept and one that ran through me as well. It'll be interesting to see if they take a big jump in the first, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, in the first round of list change, right? Where Angela and Enchantress obviously had this runway of a long time to kind of get used to them, to prep for them. Whereas She-Hulk mm-hmm. has been more like a normal release, which, which without quite the same runway, we didn't get all of her tactics cards until more recently. Yeah. And it might also be that these characters are all quite expensive and maybe you just can't, you can't easily make rosters that have all three of them. I say knowing that my roster has all three, but they might just push each other out. Yeah, we I, I can definitely see that. So then uncanny X-Men, Avengers, Guardians of the Galaxy, Cabal, and then we drop off from there. Cabal was at 8%, which is, you know, just about half of Defenders, right? And then Black Order, Spider-Foes at 4% each. And then and, and there's, there's an, an unaffiliated list. I think there's two, actually, which is uh, definitely, definitely a curveball there. So uh, I don't think there's any huge surprise. I, I guess Cabal being that low was a little surprising. Um, Black Order being down there makes sense. A lot of people played a lot of them previously. They still don't have a lot of list options. So... Other than A-Force, there's no real big surprise in that for me. Uh, well, I guess Web Warriors was surprising. but Yeah, uh, Web Warriors is a little bit surprising. A-Force, the biggest surprise. I think 
It's also notable that X-Men are significantly less popular than Brotherhood, considering both groups are fan favorite characters and they both came out at the same time. And they both have the same number of affiliated options. I believe Jacob from Xavier Protocol said this, but Magneto just has this magnetism about him. I'm, I'm not surprised that that character being so strong, so influential himself kind of pulls that affiliation higher than X-Men's, right? Yeah, I think you're right about that. Um, and it probably also helps them a bit that the dual affiliation builds with Brotherhood, I think, are a bit easier, right? It's easier to go into Cabal um, alongside Brotherhood compared to the X-Men. They've got some options, but they're a bit more spread out and they don't have anything that pairs quite so neatly. Yeah, it makes a ton of sense. Is there anything else about affiliations we want to talk about here, Pat? So, hmm, I think uh, it's worth pointing out that, generally speaking, Brotherhood are going to be led by Magneto most of the time. I don't think that's much of a stretch, do you? Uh, no, I do not. Right, and with that in mind, I think it's worth just sh stating that there's a lot of big heavy hitters in this metagame, right? The top three affiliations have six threats and five threat leaders. Um, Angela is a new and popular choice. Um, and I think more than before, we're seeing a lot of really powerful, really expensive characters being taken by uh, more and more players. Yeah, and what a fantastic segue that is. Next up, we were going to look at the character delineation. And at the top of this is really no surprise to me. It's Valkyrie at 60%. Whew, that's, uh, that's a number. And following, <laughs> following her up is a Koye. So... Uh, 60 and 57% respectively. They are in three affiliations each now? Uh, Okoye is in two, right? She's in Rapunzel. Oh, yep, she's just in two. She's, yep, thank you very much. Valkyrie is in Defenders, A-Force, and Asgard. Considering that Asgard and Defenders are two of the top three popular affiliations, not surprising that the affiliated character they share is the most popular. Also worth mentioning that she is, for my money, the best unaffiliated option in Brotherhood as well. So that makes her a superb choice in all three of the most popular rosters. Absolutely. And Okoye definitely fights for that best two spot. Um, so not surprised to see either of them up there. And they're kind of the high level, the high water outliers is what I'll say, coming in at 16, 57%. Next, we kind of have a, a group of characters, uh, what, 40 to 35%, I guess, for an arbitrary mm -hmm. cut. And that's Angela, Enchantress, and Shuri. So we have the new hotness, and we have, you know, the other value three fighting with Valkyrie coming in right there, right? Yeah. And um, Enchantress and Shuri, excellent control pieces, right? Angela, excellent at aggressive uh, crisis manipulation, getting victory points. Um, they all do powerful things on crises. Yep, and then kind of then we have a big brick of what I'm going to call 25 to 35 of a bunch of just really value characters tossed in here. We have Toad, who's the other really value two-threat character. Taskmaster, mm -hmm. which was a pretty big surprise to me until I thought about how many Criminal Syndicate rosters there were. MODOK, of yeah. course. Mystique. Ghost Spider. Uh, I blame you for her being so popular, Pat. Thor and Wolverine. Yeah, and as you said, this is just a lot of popular characters that tend to have multiple affiliations or are just the most popular unaffiliated choice for a lot of teams. It's like, like you said, it's all the best value characters that you wouldn't be surprised to see anybody run in any affiliation. 
Now, I, <clears throat> I do want to take a moment here. Pat just mentioned how points-heavy some of the individual characters were, and you might be thinking, well, there aren't a lot of high-point characters so far, right? We really have only hit on uh, Thor, Modok, and Angela. Uh, mm-hmm. Coming up in this next group, we have uh, Magneto, Doctor Strange, and Kingpin. And really what we're seeing here from the data is those characters in particular, those three we just named, Strange, Kingpin, and uh, Magneto, it doesn't look like they're being taken a terribly large amount out of their affiliations. Their uh, usage numbers and their affiliation numbers are all very close to each other. That doesn't, uh, that still actually backs up what Pat said. Because they're the most popular affiliations, uh, we definitely think you should have a plan for them. But between 25 and, and 15, we have Miles Morales, Black Panther, Hawkeye, Mr. Strange himself, Magneto, Sabretooth, Wong, Black Widow, and Beast. We also then have the Mind Gem at 15% and Kingpin, uh, the Soul Gem and Loki kind of round that out. Oh, and Storm. I almost forgot Storm. Sorry. (laughs) So we're starting to get to like the solid um, leaders, right, for the popular affiliations. And we're getting to the role playing characters that you kind of have to take if you want to be affiliated, right? Characters like Loki, Sabretooth, and Beast are choices that are much more popular in their affiliation, um, just to give you different options at different threat levels. Yeah, and I think that's what we're looking for for, like, Strange and Magneto as well, right? Strange is in, what, 4% more rosters than there are Defenders rosters. Magneto is in 1% more than there are uh, Brotherhood rosters, right? So it's just these characters that are a little more synonymous with their affiliation and not really without. Uh, I'm really surprised to see Wong at 17, personally, and Sabretooth, but... um, yeah, and I think it just, I think those two in particular are symptoms of the affiliation just needing them to hit certain points values, right? The fact that defenders are doing weird things with pentagrams means that their compositions are not as flexible as they might otherwise be. And sometimes you just need a two threat affiliated character, and Wong, Wong's the man to go to. And similarly with Brotherhood, I don't think Sabretooth is an all star in Brotherhood. But he is one of your few affiliated options, so it's not surprising that he just makes it into the rosters. Um, And it's worth noting that this is looking at how often they come into rosters, but it's not looking at how often they get played. And so I think someone like Sabretooth is going to be in a lot of rosters because Brotherhood is popular, but he's going to get a lot less play than some of the other Brotherhood characters that are also in those rosters. Yeah, I think that's a great shout-out. I would have lost a lot of money betting on whether Sabretooth or Kingpin would be in more rosters, but... That's okay. Didn't happen. So uh, next we have She-Hulk. We've kind of already talked about her, seeing her in 14% of rosters. Uh, definitely less than we thought, uh, but again, kind of ubiquitous with the A-Force being 13% of, ubiquitous is the wrong word, synonymous with A-Force being mm-hmm. uh, 13% affiliation. Uh, Venom, Vision, Reality Gem, Thanos, Nebula, Crossbones. Super excited to see Crossbones kind of ride this out. Uh, Killmonger, Rocket Raccoon, Baron Zemo, Peter Parker, Cyclops, Proximate Midnight, and Daredevil take us all the way down to 10%. I want to shout out Crossbones' rise to fame, and I want to shout out, we have not mentioned uh, Corvus Glaive, who was an absolute menace in the last season of TTS. How things change, right? Just goes to show that a lot of popularity with characters is to do with what is around them, and... um, what other options you have available because Corvus's rules haven't changed. Crossbones's rules haven't changed, but suddenly Crossbones has the home in criminal syndicate that suits him much better than his previous one in Cabal. And 
there are just more options competing with Corvus. He is no longer um, the premier five threat beat stick that every team wanted. Yeah, also worth shouting out that obviously drop-off was actually legal at the start of season three of TTS. I know that seems like ages ago. Um, and I think a lot of people were still figuring out whether Corvus worked without the drop-off mechanism. Uh, mm-hmm. And he certainly can, let me be clear. Um, so yeah, he's just <laughs> gone through quite the precipitous plunge. I don't think there's anything else I really want to hit on out of that group, Pat. Did anything jump out to you? Happy to see Venom that high. Happy to see Vision that high. Nebula coming in uh, just below her dad was really interesting as well. Yeah, there's a couple of things I wanted to mention. The first was... I thought it was interesting that Proxima Midnight was significantly more popular than her husband. I would not have expected that, uh, but she is in about 50% more rosters than Corvus Clavis. I've been seeing her as a one-off. as like a value tanky three in a few different criminal syndicate lists, especially uh, yeah. where, where she can, you know, sit on a point, have that martial prowess. And she's again, pretty durable for a three. Yeah, Criminal Syndicate is doing interesting things with character viability, right? Making characters like Crossbones and Proxima shine above characters who would be traditionally more popular. Mm. Or maybe I should say historically more popular. Um, And I also just wanted to mention Venom because I looked back at the start of TTS Season 3 and Venom was the most popular character. He was in over half the rosters. Um, And I think he serves as a great reminder that so much of character popularity is based on which affiliations people are playing and how that they can make their rosters work at different points levels. Because Venom has always been a really good character, but he had that incredible spike in popularity in Season 3 because everyone wanted to play Web Warriors. And now he's back to a more reasonable level. Yeah, and as Pat has mentioned multiple times, just the the breadth and the width of the number of options we have too will dilute popularity um, and as we've seen with other characters, it's not un- unreasonable to expect one of these to jump up with a possible future release. So if you love Venom, he's, he's, he's still really good, but uh, his popularity, his day in the sun might come again. Oh, yeah, like when spider foes have a resurgence. Uh, yeah, if you actually, and um, Lexa just started a podcast called Morlocks, if you want to check that out. She is a big, or excuse me, they are a big uh, proponent of spider foes. They did some interesting work on house party protocol, which you can find on across the bifrost.com. And I'm sorry, that's the last plug I'll do for the day. Sorry, listeners. Thanks for listening. Um, <laughs> going down into single digits real quickly. We have Ant-Man, we have America's anchor, Drax, Star-Lord, Hulk. I'm not going to read all these. Uh, I think the most interesting thing is like I said, Corvus Glaive coming in at 7%. It appears I lost the Ant-Man and Wasp argument with Ant-Man coming in at nine, Wasp coming in at seven, even with a force Wasp wasn't able to pull it out for me. Yeah, uh, bullseye at six. In, in Criminal Syndicate, you know? Uh, say that again? Oh, they're both in Criminal Syndicate, yeah. Ant-Man does good things in Criminal Syndicate. I think that's why he's a bit more popular. I think Wasp does good things in Criminal Syndicate, too. Yeah, she's just, you know, not quite as good as Ant-Man. But we've had this conversation I mean, before. She, <laughs> I think she's better, just under under underappreciated. <laughs> um... Gamora at 6% is probably the highest I've ever seen her. Groot down at 6% is probably the lowest we've ever seen him. Um, Doc Ock. Punisher at 5% is interesting. I thought he was a really popular one. Ebony Maw at 2% is just mind-boggling to me. And the one that is most confusing is I can't believe Three Widow has fallen all the way to 1%. I still think she's a really powerful superhero, but Three Widow at 1% is shocking. 
yeah, she is one of the least popular characters, right? It is pretty surprising because there's certainly nothing wrong with her. I think the lesson we can learn from her is about the value of a slot and competition for that slot, right? And she is in the most hotly contested slot um, in the three-cost character spot. Um, there's so many incredible unaffiliated options at three-cost, including a lot that are in the top 10. And in her only affiliation, there's, what, like five other three-cost characters that compete with her? You've got Iron Man, Hawkeye, Beast, Wasp, Ant-Man, just off the top of my head. Um, and then on top of that, she um, is competing with another version of herself. So she just has so much competition that it's forcing her out of rosters, even though she might be perfectly good. Yeah, I definitely can't agree with you more. Uh, the the competition for three slots are is is really high. Um, and then in A four, she runs into Shuri and Okoye, right? Or excuse me, Shuri and Valkyrie. So she just yeah. runs into two absolute uh, forces. See what I did there in the A force mm-hmm. affiliation, which just kind of knocks her down. So uh, yeah, I just I really like that character. I'm surprised to see her that low. Um, so uh, is there anything else about characters we want to hit on? I, I think we did a pretty good run. Ghost Rider, Ebony Maw, pretty big surprises for me. Um, Corvus Glaives, Fall. Uh, while predictable, I didn't expect him to fall that far. Um, yeah, nothing else really jumped out at me in particular. Yeah, it seems that not many people were inspired to play Black Order, even after they got into the finals of the last league. So that impacts a lot. Ebony Maw, Corvus Glaive, Proxima. Uh, Thanos seems to continue to be popular as a wild card choice in other teams, though, which is really cool. Yeah, it's always interesting to see the big fella. Um, I'm, I'm sorry you didn't get to see the nine threat Thanos. So, next, um, we're looking at team <laughs> tactics cards. And uh, it, Medpack, far and away the most popular at 77%. Uh, I think that's definitely an outlier. Um, next, we have 51 to 41%. I'm going to group all of them together. Um, and we have two restricted cards, Embrace for Impact, Field Dressing. We have the Internet's All Aflame with Hired Muscle. And then we have Advanced R&D. I don't think any of these numbers are particularly surprising, right? Uh, advanced R&D has been in the game for a long time now. And this is the highest it's ever been. So it's interesting, I think, to note that it has crept up slowly over time. Um, and it's always been good at enabling sweet plays, especially on turn one. But it seems that now more than ever, people are valuing that highly. I think and we've talked about this before, and you've kind of highlighted how the game has become a little bit faster. And mm-hmm. I think more and more you might need that single point of power early to maybe combat hired muscle, to maybe turn more hired muscle things on, to maybe pentagrams. So I'm not surprised to see it creep up uh, with its increasing percentage kind of into there. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how much hired muscle is actually played. We've talked about this before, Pat, um, where the value of Hired Muscle is sometimes having it in your roster and other times actually getting onto the table. And it's interesting to note that the West in the U.S. is definitely the lowest in Hired Muscle at 29, where uh, Southern Hemisphere is at 66%. Uh, that, that, to me, is a, a crazy swing between the two of them. Yeah, um, I still have mixed feelings about Hired Muscle. I'm still not... Look, I'm taking it in my roster but I really don't think it's as good as people say. I think it is a fine card. But so much of the time, the net effect that Hired Muscle has is it puts your character picking up an objective like three inches further away, which is not bad, but it's also not phenomenal. Um, 
so yeah, I put me in the skeptics camp. We'll see how things go over this season. Maybe I'll change my tune. It certainly wouldn't be the first time that I changed my mind over something after people beat me over the head with it. Yeah, and you can uh, hear Pat and I's thoughts about Hired Muscle on a previous episode. Um, I wish I knew our episode numbers better, but we've done so many episodes. I think it's <laughs> episode 52. Um, I like Hired Muscle a little bit more than Pat does, uh, for sure. I just think it's really interesting that it's, it's over twice as popular uh, in the uh, Southern Hemisphere group. That, that, to me, was kind of a shocking number to see there. Yeah, um, I don't know how how much to read into the different groups because so much of the game is online right now and so much of the community uh, hive mind, so to say, is through content creation online because we don't have real events, you know, and we don't have a lot of play in stores and that kind of thing. Although maybe that's less true for the Southern Hemisphere, right? Australia in particular has been pretty good at controlling the virus and maybe they have a very different take on the matter as a result of having more in-person time. I don't really know if that's true or not, but um, I think we should be a little bit wary about calling out distinctions from different regions. See, I actually think that the distinction for the Southern Hemisphere is the, I think they have the most isolated meta, for better or for worse, right? They've always done things that have seemed a little bit less popular in the other regions and always had pretty good success, whether that's... Mm -hmm. um, Morgan and my name's blanking for the other hosts from the Strike Better podcast. You should definitely check them out. I know I said that would be the last plug I do, but Strike Better, I think it's strikebetterpodcast.com. Uh, they do some great blog articles, but I've always felt like they are able to wag the dog reasonably well, whether that's because, like you say, they are doing more in person games or whether they just have like a more cohesive meta. And we've seen it in past games with War Machine and Hordes, right? Where the quote unquote European meta, which I know is a drastic simplification because we're Americans, uh, would always be different than the American meta. And then you guys would even have subsets over there, right? I remember Germany playing scoring a lot more than other regions were and things like that. Yeah, it's interesting, right? Because sometimes people keep things secret or they just have different opinions and they don't have a platform to talk about them. And sometimes people are very influential and that can twist things in ways that you don't expect. Um, I think time will tell um, if these differences, how these differences play out, if they're just variation, you know, like we're always going to have variations in what is chosen by region inevitably. Um, and it doesn't necessarily mean anything, but then we'll see which of these trends actually um, have proven to be beneficial. Yeah. And, and just the other thing real quickly before I move on, right. We, we hit it before, but right, Wakanda was you're twice as popular, twice as likely to see Wakanda in that region as well. So they are doing some interesting things there. And like you said, I don't know if that's like, if maybe if you're thinking you need to win the Southern Hemisphere, you know that you have to go through Travis, that's his name, Travis or Morgan, and maybe you're, you're teching for them in particular. I'm not sure, but I, I do just think it's an interesting uh, point, for lack of a better word. But to Pat's point, like, they are the smallest region, so I mean, it, it is a little easier to spike them than another area, for sure. Mm -hmm. um, the next group is kind of, uh, for lack of a better word, I think 30 to 20% is the group that we want to go with here. Pat, I'll congratulate you. I think you've done a lot of uh, standing for Disarm, and Disarm's right there at 30%. Yeah, <clears throat> what a good card. I think it gets a little bit of a bump because of A-Force, in the sense a Disarm was always superb with drop-off, something I talked about in the distant past, and it is fantastic with special delivery for similar reasons. 
Yeah, absolutely. I've always loved All You've Got. It's great to see that coming in at 29%. Deception at 28% is uh, not surprising. And real quick, what was Mystique's usage? I believe that Mystique and Deception are taken exactly the same number of times, 47 apiece. Uh, 28 apiece? Yeah. 28 apiece? Oh, are you looking at percentage? I'm looking at number taken. Oh, you're looking at actual, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense that you would... so there is not a list that took Mystique without Deception. Well, very strong card. No. And Mystique uh, was one of the top 10 most popular characters. So, Yeah, for sure. Climbing gear coming in next. No matter the cost, uh, we blipped over it, but Wolverine's usage number is right about the same as no matter the cost usage. Odin's Blessing, Exceptional Healing, and Rainbow Bridge round us out. The two Asgardian cards coming in with the Asgardian affiliation being the most popular. Again, not very surprising. Yeah, so I think... It's interesting. This is quite a diverse set of tactics cards, right? Um, Medpack wins the battle of the restricted cards, but that one aside, there's a good amount of variety, I think, in the top 10 to 20 cards um, that are being taken, more so than we've ever seen before, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah, and I think that trend should hold as long as the game continues to expand in the current rates that it is, Pat, right? And then the, the TTS League, and then I'm not, this isn't a complaint, Norbert does a lot of work, and so do all the other judges running it. There's a good amount of time between the leagues, so there's a lot of new stuff kind of being introduced from the time we did this to the time of the start of the Season 3 League, right? Yeah, especially with the break we had over the holidays. It's been a long time since we had the start of a league. It's been, it's been it's three and a half months? Yeah, I think August is when we had the last league. It is now January. Okay. Yeah, that's a while. Yeah. <clears throat> um, nothing else I really want to shout out. I thought Rainbow Bridge would be just a little bit higher, but again, not super surprising to see it lag behind Odin's Blessing a little bit. Um, next, we start getting into more affiliated cards. I'm not going to go through this whole list, right? But we have Asteroid M, Wakanda Forever, all webbed up. Special Delivery. Um, Pentagrams, as you said, definitely below the Defender's number, but still a very popular card. Lethal Protector has a really high number, considering Venom's usage rate. It's an 11% tier, uh, so he's still pretty ubiquitous with his card. Patch Up, the other, res- uh, the next restricted card coming in at 11%. Uh, Magnetic Refraction, and then we get into... I'm not going to read all the rest of these cards. Uh, are there any other cards we want to highlight? Is it worth taking some time to talk about Doom Prophecy all the way down at 7 yeah, it's interesting. Doom Prophecy and Patch Up are definitely getting squeezed out, not just by the restricted list, but by the large number of great options that are now available. Yeah, and we'll never know. It's it's interesting, like, there's been some talk about whether they still need to be on the list, and I have no idea. Uh, but I know AMG is proactive and willing to take things off. It'll be interesting, uh, you know, if and when they look at the list again. Yeah, um, I don't know if either should be removed. I understand that Doom Prophecy combos really well with all you've got in field dressing, and I feel like all you've got is mainly balanced by the fact it's two combo cards are both themselves restricted. So I think if you unrestrict Doom Prophecy, maybe you end up having to restrict all you've got to achieve a similar net effect. Yeah, I'm not sure either. There's a lot of different ways you could go about it. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it right now. I don't mind uh, Doom being that low. It's just, um, it, it, it pays a heavy price is what I'll say, right, for for having that restricted tag tossed onto it. 
Uh, I guess other cards I want to individually highlight. Grievous Wounds at 12% is a little bit higher than I thought it would be. Lovable Misfits at 8% is definitely higher than I thought it would be. And uh, I do really want to shout out that Agents of Smash has been taken in five rosters. Yes, I was looking at a game Utility Cookie was playing uh, today, and he was running Agents of Smash in his roster. Um, obviously, a a force with She Hulk and Hulk fighting alongside each other. Uh, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I just I I wasn't expecting to see that many rosters with it. Uh, I think it's I think it's pretty cool that it's uh, that popular. Yeah, agreed. All right, I don't think there's anything else other than I want to say that Psychic Shielding Device PSD was was not taken very much. So, uh, Pat, you've done better work for Disarm than I have done for Psychic Shielding Device. Well, let's keep hyping it because I very nearly added Psychic Shielding Device to my roster at the eleventh hour. So. I I think that's kind of the crux of Psychic Shielding Device, right? Is it almost makes her eight, and then when you play it in games, it almost makes her five. So at yeah. that stage, why are you really <laughs> taking it? <laughs> Maybe after Angela savages people for the first few rounds, it'll come in more in the future rounds. But uh, yeah, I, I, I'm still holding on to my PSD stock, my Psychic Shielding Device stock. Uh, but yeah, Disarm's definitely proven to be a bit more of a blue chipper there. Yeah, I think you've made me think about it, and I think... The problem with Psychic Shielding Device, it's the same as some of the other tactics cards, which are perfectly good, but they're answers to problems um, rather than like really strong cards in their own right. So another example would be something like Mark for Death, which has always been a fine card, but it's not very popular, and Grievous Wounds, which, as you mentioned, is less popular than you may be expected. Um, and I think what it comes down to is these cards are all good in their specific situation but you can never guarantee that that situation is going to come up. Even when your opponent has the things that you're worried about in their roster, you can't guarantee that they're going to hit the table. And even if they hit the table, you can't necessarily guarantee that the situation is going to arise where play that card makes the difference. And with all that risk associated, right, you take the card and it just might not be relevant. Um, the power level reward is not, not really there. Like, the card is, those cards are about as good as any other good tactics card when they're relevant. And they're pretty useless when they're not relevant. Yeah, and I think while Disarm is the same thing, right? Disarm is a defensive thing. There's always a situation for you to use Disarm, right? There's always a character where you're like, yeah, you know what? It'd be great if you rolled fewer dice. Uh, where there's only maybe one or two characters with the Mystic Attack or the ability to move you for PST. So I definitely understand it's a more niche card. And like I said, we'll just have to see... See what happens. Yep, sure will. Character-specific cards, we kind of already hit these, right? Lethal Protector for Venom, extremely popular. Deception was always taken. Usurp the Throne was taken pretty highly. The one I want to hit on here is, what do you think of Mystic Refraction only being in about half of the viable Magneto lists? Um, yeah, I think Magnetic Refraction is very, very good. And I personally rate it as the second best Brotherhood card. Um, behind Asteroid M. And I personally always put it in my lists. So I think I would say I'm surprised to hear that it's only at about half of the total list. I think that is underrepresented. I was thinking it'd be higher. I think I was thinking it'd be more in the 70 to 75 percentage. So I would have lost that yeah. bet as well with Magnetic Refraction. Uh, yeah, I, I rated it as the second one too, right behind Asteroid. I was just expecting a few more of them. 
uh, is what I'll say. Um, I don't think anything else in here stood out to me too much. Uh, was there anything else you wanted to hit before we get down to the crisis, Pat? Um, I think, I mean, we continue to see, this is maybe stating the obvious, but I think it's worth mentioning, we continue to see that the powerful affiliated cards and character-specific cards help to define a lot of what is popular, right? The um, cards like Wakanda Forever, Odin's Blessing, Asteroid M, Pentagrams are all very commonly taken with their respective affiliations, and they help define what you're expecting to see from those affiliations on the table and what you're expecting to see in the meta. Yeah, and, not, and just to circle back to this real quick, Pat, I, I think we both like the banned and restricted list, right? We both understand mm-hmm. its concept, what AMG is trying to do, and I think we both think it's healthy for the game, right? Yeah. I do think it would be interesting, and we'll just never know, would the issues before where, you know, uh, patch-up, med-pack, field-dressing, brace, would their ubiquitous, would that have solved itself? Or, or would um, just just from the meta naturally getting wider, or, or do we need that in place? Uh, with three restricted cards being at the top, I don't think it would have solved itself, but it, it's an interesting argument that I see posed sometimes, and it's one that honestly we just won't know, right? Yeah, you're right. We will never know. Um, I suspect that it would have solved itself, but I could definitely be wrong. <laughs> I think... Um, yeah. <laughs> Brace is still popular, and I think that's partly because Magneto is very popular. And people I agree. Like Brace was actually lower in a few of the Season 3 recaps we've done. Yeah, I think Medpack has stood out to be the card that just wins on raw efficiency, right? It's mm. been the most popular card in the game almost since its release. Not, I mean, it took a little while to overtake Patch Up, but when people started playing with it, I think we quickly realized that it is generally more useful and more efficient. And, but I think with the exception of that card, there's an argument that everything else on the restricted list now would still have trouble competing. Yeah, with, with the data we see here, I, I think that we would end up with that, the holy trinity, so to speak, right now that we see, right, Medpack, Brace, and Field. I think those numbers would be higher. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it'll be interesting. And I'm really curious when AMG does revisit it, because I know they said they'd do that. So moving on to Crisis... Um, yeah, some interesting numbers here. I guess at, at each one, we have like a top-level outlier is what I'll say. We uh, Worthy, Field Grips Worthy, or Hammers as people like to call it, right, comes in at 58%, which is definitely kind of mm-hmm. above the field. Next, we have Panic at 45 Um No real surprise here, I suppose, right? Panic is obviously one of the big pieces of the hired muscle equation, and then Hammers is just a good crisis with an interesting threat. Yeah, I mean, people have always loved Hammers. Uh, and Panic has always been popular as well. And um, I still have this theory that I've said uh, in previous shows when we've talked about the TTS League, which is there's just, a, I think a lot of people don't like playing with crises that make their characters worse. And so many of the extracts just make your character bad. You know what I mean? <laughs> they just penalize you for having them. And these two are high threat levels and people tend to like playing high threat levels and they don't punish you for playing the crisis. And I think those just add up to more fun for the average player. I mean, Hammers does punish you, right? But I guess the benefit might outweigh the punishment. I think it definitely outweighs the punishment. Yeah, yeah that's fair. Uh, so the next group we kind of have, I, I guess in the 30s, right? We have Mutant Extreme. I'm sorry. We have, I'm going to, we have Senators. We have Struggle for the Cube and Spider Infected. 
Um, no real surprise, right? One of those is obviously part of the hired muscle thing. Uh, senators coming in that high. Hmm. I think this is an interesting one, right? It's new. It's the only crisis at its threat level. Uh, and that gives it a certain appeal. Because if you want to force that threat level, you have to take it. Yeah, to your earlier point, I assumed, and I I would have guessed that not a lot of people like that threat level, but obviously I was wrong. Um, and then kind of rounding us out with Alien Chips, Montessi, Scrolls, and Wakandan Herb all the way down at 20. So I don't think there's a real shocker in here, Pat. Um, and I think in general, this looks pretty healthy. Yeah, I think there's a good spread, right? Uh, as we get more and more crisis in the game, I think... The, this kind of spread is pretty reasonable. Nothing is so unpopular that you never see it. Nothing is completely dominating. I, I like where we're at with the crises. Yeah, and Hammers has actually come down, right? It was way more popular in, what, 75% of rosters in Season 3. So uh, definitely come down a bit uh, there for sure. Um, over here, yeah, uh, in the Secures, we have Gamma in the 50 range. Um, this next group is... From 43 to 37, we have Demons Downtown, Infinity Formula, and then Amusement Parks. Mm, yeah, Amusement Parks being the new one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think Amusement Parks is not very not as popular as you might expect, considering how unique it is, right? It's the first crisis that requires physical defense as a benefit, uh, and I'd have thought it might be more popular for that reason. But, I mean, it's still perfectly well represented. Yeah, and then we get into, like, I don't even know how we want to cut this, but, like, Deadly Meteors was at 34, Amusement Park was at 37, Riots was at 30, and then Fisk Witnesses at 23. That one's kind of surprising to me. Uh, Portals Overrun with Spider People at 21, and Cosmic, uh, well, Black Order, Black Order D down at 18. Uh, I thought Witnesses would be a bit higher, especially with all the hired muscle buzz. Uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe the internet just talked itself out of that. Uh, I think that's my biggest surprise there. And, uh, yeah, Gamma's still on top of the pile. Yeah, I'd have thought witnesses would be higher too. Uh, I'm not surprised that Gamma's on top of the pile. I feel like because Gamma is such a fast crisis, there's always going to be teams who want to win quickly and therefore they want to take Gamma. Yeah, and then right, Demons, one of the slowers, <laughs> is the second most popular. Uh, but I think Demons comes with, there's always teams, there's always people that just want to, you know, bludgeon the crud out of you and Demons certainly helps you with that. Yeah, I mean, those are, in fact, the fastest and the slowest crisis, right? Uh, we're not counting herb? Yeah, not counting extract, sorry. Only looking at secures, because this is the secures section. Sorry, um, sorry, sorry. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me that those are so popular, because I suppose, in theory, uh, I think, at least in my mind, you probably want to be playing at least one or the other, because you probably either want to be speeding the game up or slowing the game down. But then at the same time, there are some teams that want both because they don't care about the pace as much as the uh, layout and they just want to bring everyone into the middle. So it doesn't surprise me that those two are so popular. Yeah, I've had a few rosters where I've wanted both because I want to be able to force something quick or slow depending on what you're trying to do. So like mm -hmm. you said, they, they make a pretty compelling pair. Um, yeah, again, I, I don't think there's any real surprises there. So to wrap up, I personally think the season four meta looks really healthy. I'm, I'm excited to see how things come out. As we've mentioned, uh, real life is a little bit too busy for me to play in the league. But Pat, I know you're playing it. It sounds like you're one to know. 
I want to wish you good luck the rest of the way through. I want to wish everyone that's listening to the podcast good luck. Uh, I can't wait to hear all of your uh, bad beat stories, your heroic feats of Daredevil rolling 70-something dice against people, and anything else that might happen. So, uh, Patreon, stay tuned for the After the Credit Scenes. Everyone, thank you so, so much for listening. We really do appreciate each and every one of you. Till next time, everyone, cheers. Happy gaming. Somewhere across the Bifrost Way up high There's a part that I've heard of Once in a lullaby Somewhere across the Skies are blue And the dreams that you dare to dream Really do come true